Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before we get started, support for this podcast comes from Boost with Facebook, whose podcast, Boost My Business with David Fisher, features unique perspectives and insight from business leaders and small business owners. Hear stories and anecdotes about businesses just like yours. Gain insight on what it takes to grow a business and learn from both the mistakes and triumphs of others. Download Boost My Business wherever you get your podcasts. That's Boost My Business Podcast. Before we get started, support for this podcast comes from Boost with Facebook, whose podcast, Boost My Business with David Fisher, features unique perspectives and insight from business leaders and small business owners. Hear stories and anecdotes about businesses just like yours. Gain insight on what it takes to grow a business and learn from both the mistakes and triumphs of others. Download Boost My Business wherever you get your podcasts. That's Boost My Business Podcast. Good morning, listeners. Welcome back to Chalk Talk. Taylor Davis, McKenna Kelly, here to bring you all the latest news and updates from the world of gymnastics. Guys, it is March, which means the end is near for NCAA gymnastics. Postseason is right around the corner, which is crazy. So we are, of course, going to give you all the big updates from this past week in the NCAA and also touch on some elite topics, headlines that are happening in that world and make sure that we are giving you guys all of that. So it's going to be a great, well-rounded episode. And I'm just going to be completely transparent here. I want to give a special shout out to anyone attempting to do a podcast because this ain't easy. McKenna and I have technical issues almost every Literally week. every and time. So- Literally just want to give a shout out to anyone who's over there fighting their computer and their microphone trying to do this. Like, we see you. We see you. I love it. I I freaking love it. Yes. Gosh. Technology is not always my friend, but you know what? We're trying. We're trying. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it, but got to ask McKenna for an update now that you have started your new role and your coaching and in that side of things, which you've told me was something you did not anticipate yeah. your future would entail. But how's it been? How are you liking it so far? I freaking love it. And if you would have asked me this my freshman year in college, like if you would have told me my freshman year in college, hey, in a couple years, you're going to be a coach. I would have looked at you like you had three heads. Um, I never, I just, I never would have seen myself in this position. Like I I get frustrated easily, or at least I did. Um, And I think, I think it was just immaturity too, you know, and not having patience and not seeing, you know, that it's more than gymnastics. Like I'm not just there to coach a kid on to to tell her to point her toes. Like you're there, you're, you probably spend more time with the athletes than they do their own parents. So like you are teaching them a lot about themselves and about core values and, and about, just how to carry themselves and their behavior and their response and how they treat others. And I guess with, you know, maturing myself and just getting older and realizing those things on my own, like it's just, it's so rewarding being a coach and shout out to my coaches out there. Like not personally my coaches, but all coaches out there, you guys, it's, it's hard. It's hard because like I just touched on, it's more than just telling a kid to straighten her legs and point her toes. Like you are essentially teaching this kid 
how to grow up and be just to be a good human because eventually gymnastics does end. And I think that has kind of helped me become a better coach as well is like that chapter of my life is over. Yeah. I have little kids come yeah. up to me all the time. Do you still do gymnastics or where do you go to school? And I'm like, I actually graduated. I haven't done gymnastics <laughs> in almost a year. And they're like, what? Yeah. So, but I love it. I mean, those girls are my purpose. I wake up and I'm so motivated and so excited and they make me want to be a better person. Um, I think for a while there, you know, I think you can only motivate yourself so far um, in your life and then it kind of becomes mundane and you kind of lose that spark. And I think I didn't realize that till I would start waking up in the morning and get excited to go see the kids and, and coach them and help them. And um, there, it's something so rewarding watching a kid, telling them a correction, watching them make the change and visibly seeing the impact you're making. So I love That's it. Awesome. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, of course. I always think it's really cool to see kind of how athletes take that next step because mm -hmm. really, especially if you've committed your college years to a sport, you really are given a lot of opportunities to stay involved in some capacity. And yeah. we see it all the time. Former athletes go into the broadcasting or television side and, you know, you ended up doing this podcast and now you're a coach and yeah. you've done the flow gymnastics thing. Like you, it's really cool to see the opportunities that kind of provide themselves. You just have to be willing to kind of be open to those things and, and walk down paths that maybe seem a little out of your comfort zone. Those 100%. are usually the ones that actually work out best. So yeah. I'm excited yeah. for you. All right. Well, let's jump right on into some of these topics. We'll save NCAA for the end because that's a little bit more in depth, but some elite topics that I want to touch on. Big news happening this week. Um, I think a lot of people have been anticipating the possibility of this happening, but the Jesslo Trophy is now canceled. The meet was supposed to take place in Italy in April and has now been canceled due to the rising threat of the coronavirus. This is just insane to me. I am one of those people and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but <laughs> I've been one of those people that like really hasn't been sweating the coronavirus. Like, I don't know. I've just been no, thinking of it too. as like some far off thing that is kind of being blown out of proportion by the media. And that is so naive and narrow minded of me. I'm well aware of that. But now that I'm seeing all these sporting events and different conferences and huge, huge international yeah. events being canceled because of this, I'm like, oh, crap, like this is something that I should really take seriously. And I think it's because like I'm from the South and I'm like it privy to when there's a chance of snow and you go to the grocery store and all oh, the bread yeah. and water it's is gone. wiped out. Yes. And the next day there's like um flurries. It's like sleet. You can't even consider it snow. Yes. And so like I've just been brought up on like things getting blown out of proportion and it's really not accurate. And I guess like my naive self was viewing the coronavirus as this and and it's starting to become very real that this thing needs to be taken seriously. So yeah. uh, I think this is a testament of that. Before the official cancellation, Team USA had already announced that they would not be sending their athletes to Italy. Instead, the athletes who were selected will be given a competitive opportunity at the National Team Training Center in Indianapolis, April 3rd through 5th. I assume they'll still do this just to give those athletes that qualified the opportunity to essentially compete, not just practice, even though it will be happening at the training center. Um, but I, I just, just think this is crazy, yeah. you know? I, I don't feel like that's going to be the same feeling for those girls either. And for any no. of them that, you know, that was, that Jesslo was going to be their first international assignment, if that's the case, that's discouraging. Like that sucks. But I, I do understand they want to 
be as precautionary as possible, especially with it being Olympic year. Like that would be so devastating if something serious happened, considering we don't really have a cure yet. But I'm kind of on the same page with you as this, Taylor. First of all, I'd like, I think you and I can both vouch for the South. I'd say we're extremely dramatic in any sort we of are. capacity. <laughs> we just like, I don't know, we're just dramatic, but I kind of felt like, yeah. I kind of felt like it was like a Zika virus, Ebola virus type thing where it was like a yep. really big deal. And then we found a cure and like, then it was fine. I kind of feel like that's how it's going to be too. Um, but I, I've, I've been pretty naive about it too. And I've been like trying not to worry about it, but I do understand in terms of, they're protecting the athletes or trying to at least. Um, but from the athlete's perspective, like that's, that's not going to have the same feeling. I mean, every time they go to national training camp, they do verifications, which you show your routine in front of kind of like the committee or whoever, you know, that, that group of authoritative deciders is for international assignments. Um, they do that every time. So to them, it's going to be just pretty much another camp. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think better safe than sorry, especially when you're considering like if these athletes' bodies are at all compromised, they could very easily hurt themselves doing their sport. So you have to be very, very cautious about what you're subjecting them to. So I I thought it was smart, even if it was going to go on, that Team USA wasn't going to send their athletes. But I do agree with you. They're they're essentially being robbed of an experience that is good preparation for Tokyo. So that's interesting. And and for, you know, Tom Forrester and the rest of the people deciding who that Olympic team is to it, it's they need to see that. They need to see how these girls um, have been preparing how the girls coming back from injuries, you know, are they up to par? It, yeah. it, it is, it's a huge test and elites don't compete enough as it is. Um, they train right. so much and they do all the difficulty, but they don't compete near enough as much. So every competition matters. I mean, you have college where they're competing literally every weekend and then elite competing three, four, five times a year at most. Um, so every little competition matters definitely. So I, I do feel like, um, this is, I don't know how this will play out in terms of deciding, um, honestly, what the Olympic team will look like. I agree. Um, but I certainly don't want to seem like I'm being insensitive. My thoughts right. and prayers Agreed. are absolutely with anyone that's been affected by the coronavirus, the limitations that this has put on people traveling to see their family. 100%. Like, I, I understand this is a very serious, dangerous thing. I don't yeah. want that to be misconstrued. But And the athletes uh, this, are more than their sport. We're not, I don't, I don't want to put right. that out there either that, you know, oh, well, it sucks that, the, you know, it's all about their, no, like, it's about the people. It's about the girls. Like, right. Gymnastics right. is going to end eventually. It's- Their health matters. We're, we're pointing that out, but we're, this is a gymnastics podcast. So here. <laughs> exactly. We, well, we promise. Exactly. Well, they are getting an opportunity to see some of the team USA members compete this weekend. The 2020 gymnics international is happening. Actually, they are there now. I have seen pictures of the welcome team USA signs Four seniors and four juniors are in Montreal, Quebec to compete, including our girl, Michaela Skinner. So that will be exciting to kind of see them in an environment like that. And I think, honestly, this news about Jesslo puts a little bit more emphasis on gymnics because there's not a looming, you know, international competition as soon as the one in Italy was supposed to be. So I think this brings a lot more eyes to Montreal. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, And I mean, especially for, I'm thinking of Michaela Skinner in this instance, like she's really trying to prove something. She's really trying to prove herself, her training, 
um, that she deserves and can, you know, be that spot on the Tokyo team. So I do think that this, this is a good way to look at it, especially, you know, in the situation, at least Michaela's in. Right. So are these international competitions leading up to the Olympics? Do you think that that's the, the primary goal? I mean, obviously you want to compete well. And if you, you know, walk away with the win, that's great. But mm-hmm. this close to the Olympics, do you think that their mindset is more geared toward like viewing this as a tryout? I think yes. Honestly, my, my answer would be yes. You would have to, right? You would have to because I think it's more about just competing. At this point, every single girl on yeah. that team, every single girl on the national team is more than capable. They're really, really good. Like that is the best in the world right there, the girls you have on that team. Um, but when you put them in an international setting, I think you have to consider more than just their gymnastics at that point. You have to consider how are they handling that time change? How are they handling international equipment? How are they handling their food? How are their bodies? I think those sure. are the key factors they're really trying to hone in on because at the end of the day, when you send those girls to Tokyo, they're not going the day before, the week before. They're, they're up there for, I want to say, maybe more than a month. They have to get adjusted, mm. to, especially over in Tokyo. I remember, um, I think if I remember correctly, when Sean and Nasi and the girls going to Beijing for the 2008 Olympics, they were up there for a hot minute. You have to get accustomed to so much more than just training. Um and actually, right. I was at, this is kind of random, but I just, from it, for the listeners, I was at Flip Fest last summer with Sean, um, and I got to hear a really cool story that I didn't know. For those of you that don't know, Sean won um, the beam finals at Beijing, um, got the gold medal on mm-hmm. beam. She had the flu. She was terribly, terribly sick um, that day. Crazy. Yeah, so she was in the back, like, she had done, like, 10 routines, kept falling, which she really wanted to hit one before she went out. And, like, I guess as soon as she dismounted in the back, they, like, called her name to go compete. And she went out there and she was saying, like, I completely blacked out. I don't remember the routine. I just remember, like, dismounting <laughs> and then I won. Um, so what I'm saying is they have to get accustomed to a lot, whether they're sick or not. Um, so I, I do think, yeah, of course, they want to see how these girls perform. But I think it's a little bit more than that. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense. I I think it's exciting. And if you've got kind of multiple motivators, I I think that could sometimes get overwhelming. So I'm always curious kind of what their ultimate focus is when they're in a situation like that, especially since like the countdown is on, like we are so close to Tokyo that I'm sure that is pretty much all encompassing of their, their mental approach to these meets. And when you think of Lori Hernandez, like, that's that's one of the the factors that she kind of has against the other girls who haven't been in a lot of high level meets. She she knows how to right. adjust to these things, and that's where she comes into play big time. Um, so I, I think I think that is that is something that Lori has um, is the experiencing knowing how to kind of adjust to those little things. Well, what's interesting about it is at, at what point does your your past experience right. need to match up with where you are right now because yeah. Laurie did not attend the February national team training camp. Um, and that is obviously like not a huge strike against her by any means, but you do kind of have to evaluate that and kind of weigh it out because these coaches are seeing these athletes in real time at the training right. camps, at the current meets and things like that. And you're relying on the knowledge of Laurie from four years ago. So mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting you know, back and forth, but she kind of took this as what was going to be best for her. Also yeah. getting kind of a, a later start in the training, maybe push the schedule a little bit because she declined the invitation uh, and is focusing her training on the second phase of the year from May to August. Um, Tom Forster 
said the February camp is a selection for international meets in March and April, which Laurie was not going to participate in. So I I get that. And I understand her opting to not go that soon when those international meets weren't even on her radar. But it is interesting that we're going to be seeing her kind of in the 11th hour. Yeah. I, you know, listen, because she's been there, done that and come out on top, like I trust her and I trust that she knows what she needs and she knows what her body needs. And maybe she needs more numbers in a more comfortable setting. But at the same time, if you're Tom Forrester, you're going to get more comfortable seeing the same girls coming to those camps. You're going to kind of build a trust in their gymnastics and, and the athlete themselves of, okay, this kid's showing up, this kid is continually hitting every time. And then if all of a sudden Lori comes in at that last phase, like she's planning on, it's like, you all of a sudden have to factor in, okay, fingers crossed. I hope she's been hitting the numbers just as consistently in the practices, you know, when all the other girls have been like, it's kind of like, it's kind of a 50, 50. I feel like it's kind of a catch 22 in the sense of like, you trust Lori because she's already done it and she knows how this game is played, but she's older now. She's a woman. She's more of a woman. You know, she's grown into herself more. I do think that does help you more as an athlete. The older you get, you know, your gymnastics a little bit better, but I don't know. It's really tricky. I trust Lori. I think she, I think she's got a good head on her shoulders. Obviously she knows herself more than anyone, but at the same time, I feel like showing up, being with all the other girls, being in that competitive environment does affect maybe the selection. I'm not sure. Yeah. I would guess. I think that's interesting. And it goes back to, uh, I remember Olympic trials when Gabby Douglas made the team again, Mm -hmm. and there was a little bit of question uh, associated with where she was in her gymnastics there. And, And they even spoke about it during the trials broadcast that there is such value in having someone who has been through that experience before, because yes, these international meets are are amazing and these girls have handled high pressure situations, but there is absolutely nothing that can resemble the Olympics. Like that stage is the ultimate. And so if you have someone who's handled it and handled it well, you want them back. But I, I do think that there's risk associated with that. I mean, Mm -hmm. Gabby's, you know, second go at the Olympics was very different from her first. And there were enough pieces around her to where it didn't affect that much. But is that the case this year with Laurie? I just think those are interesting topics that obviously they're going to have to make decisions around. But I also think she knows there are so many eyes on her. Mm -hmm. Honestly, there's eyes on all of these athletes as they vie for Tokyo, but she knows there's some extra on her and the, the expectations are high. And if she does anything wrong, a misstep and doesn't look solid, the first thing everyone's going to say is she doesn't have it anymore. She's lost it. She can't do it. So I understand not being there until she knows she's a hundred percent ready. That's a good point. I, I didn't, I didn't think of it like that. That kind of makes me think when Sean Johnson tried to make her come back, I remember her, she really wanted to make the point that, Hey guys, I'm not the same athlete you saw when I was 16 years old. Like I'm, I'm, I'm 19 right. year old woman now. Like I know who I am. I know my gymnastics better. I mean, obviously her comeback probably didn't play out the way she had envisioned it. Um, but I really like that she tried to emphasize on, Hey, I'm not the same athlete. And I, maybe that is why Lori is trying to play it a little bit safe. I think that's a really good point, especially the way social media has grown over the years. Like more than just the gymnastics community is watching her and people who have no idea what they're talking about feel like they can chime in and, and say their two cents, which of course anyone can say what they want. That's our right. Right. But (laughs) it doesn't mean it's not hurtful and it doesn't mean it's going to affect her. 
Exactly. I I think you have to be cautious on that and make sure you're putting yourself out there at the right time because you're already on a bit of a platform. So I I understand her decision in that. And then lastly, for the elite side, we want to absolutely make sure we shout out, first of all, anyone that uh, listeners or gymnasts, anyone that was affected by the horrible tornado in Nashville, like I just, my heart goes out to you guys. My thoughts, prayers are with you. That was awful. The devastation that is across Tennessee is just so heartbreaking and we are absolutely in your corner. I did want to shout out Magnitude 10 Gymnastics, which is obviously a a gymnastics facility that was completely demolished. I mean, the photos are I just got chills. It's just it's completely done. Um, so there is a wonderful GoFundMe set up to help Magnitude 10 Gymnastics rebuild. And I wanted to make sure that our listeners knew about that. So you can go on GoFundMe.com and search Magnitude 10 Gymnastics. Their goal is $50,000. And as of like an hour ago when I checked, they were at 29416 wow. So they're oh definitely gaining some steam, which I think is awesome. But want to make sure that that we put that out there. And if even if you can donate a dollar, like every little bit helps. Yeah. I'll find that link, guys, and I'll put it on my Instagram. Um, I'll put it in my Instagram bio and my Instagram story. Uh, but if you're listening yeah. to this and my story's passed, um, you can find it in my bio. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the NCAA. Like I said, now that it's March, it feels like I'm stealing this from basketball, March Madness, you know, because everyone knows what's looming. It's almost time for conference championships. You know, regionals will be decided soon. The NQS is officially in play. So there's a lot more analysis in road scores and home scores and who you rest and and who you give an opportunity to before postseason. There's a lot. It's kind of like chess is happening right now. Up until now, it's been checkers. (laughs) And now you're playing chess a little bit. So I want to go through some some different ones uh, real quick. We'll start with the big dog. No surprise here. Oklahoma defeats Denver with a 198.45 to 197. Now, we did talk last week in full expectation that we would not see Maggie Nichols for yeah. a while, and she competed in the freaking all-around. I, oh, my gosh. Uh, I saw, The gymnast <laughs> was, like, freaking out. They were saying, like, classic KJ. Like, we're not surprised. Like, we're not surprised, but we are surprised. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, welcome back, Maggie. I also, you came back strong. I mean, <laughs> no surprise. No. I also think that that that's a testament to the potential that they see in Denver. I, I really, mm-hmm. Maggie is not someone who needs wow, the reps. Yeah. Okay. Like, let's be real. Yeah. And she, she was a little shaken up last week. Obviously the injury wasn't incredibly severe if she could compete in the all around this week, but if you can give her a, a rest, you do. And I think right. if they were competing against a school that they knew they were beating by five points, then they, I think they would have rested her. That's a but good point. I think that this, showed the potential that they see in Denver that that one had a, a, a bit of a question mark with it. Yeah. No, that's a really good good point. I think a good perspective to have in, in, in terms of Denver and how they perform. They are such a strong team. I mean, we saw them for the first time at the national championship last year and Oklahoma saw them. Denver's 197 that they got in this meet. They now have three away scores at or above 197 for the NQS, which Mm. honestly takes a little bit of pressure off. Like we mentioned last week, the NQS now determines rankings. It will determine postseason seeding. And three of the scores have to be road scores. And that 
hopefully negates the home judging bias that we often see. Only three of the scores taken into your average can be at home. So this gives Denver a a really good spot. Obviously, they would have liked to have been closer in this one to Oklahoma, but getting a 197 to solidify that you have three, and honestly, they could beat that. Like, It may not be that that's what ultimately gets put in, but I think that does take a little bit of pressure off for your road meets that you know you're already sitting at a really good spot for your NQS. They did drop one spot, but they still remain above some powerhouses like Alabama in large part because of their road scores. So I think that's certainly something they can hang their hat on. Yeah. And something to remember is the whole format, the super regional format of, you know, this is a multiple day competition. Um, And again, it's so... I think it's really, really important. I think it's really great because we have seen major upsets, i.e. last year. Um, but yeah. you also see how they Florida has come back, you know, and how f- their fight this season has been through the roof. I'm so excited to see how they do the rest of postseason. Um, but that leaves, excuse me, that leaves so much room um, for for upsets. I'm, I'm really excited to see um, – you know, how these regionals draw out, you know, which seed is where and, and where these girls compete. It's always kind of fun to like go to a different conference and compete. I know one year LSU, we went to Nebraska and that was really fun. Um, that was, yeah. a, that was an electric environment also something to point out, but um, yeah, so I'm excited for super regionals right around the corner. I think it's a great setup for, um, you know, the couple of days of the national championship competition um, and, and something important to remember is that everyone is facing these days of competition, you know, like you, you right. think of, you think of, oh, you, oh yeah, of course they're going to be really good. Yeah. But like their bodies are hurting too. Everyone at the point in this season is hurting. Everyone has to compete yeah. for two or three days. So something to consider it's, it's very like equal in those, in those terms, Agreed. I feel like. Also want to give a shout out to Maddie Carr. She won three event titles, which gives her 102 in her career. And that is now the Denver program record. I'm not surprised. Very exciting for her. Not surprised at all. And certainly well-deserved. Well, you mentioned Florida a little bit. So obviously we'll touch on them. They defeated Georgia 197-8 to 196-5. Their scores have been huge this year. It sucks because it's like – kind of overshadowed because Oklahoma's always getting 198s, which I'm not even going to touch on because yeah. I think sometimes that's ridiculous. But Agreed. Florida's scores are absolutely insane, and mm. I think they're putting up absolutely huge skills right now. And Trinity Thomas earned a 39.825 to overtake Kyla Ross in the top spot in national all-around rankings. I think those two are going to go head-to-head for the all-around title. I would – oh, I cannot wait for that. That will be so they're fun stellar. to watch. Oh my gosh. Yep. Also something to note that um, the Florida Georgia me, I feel like it's so much more fun because of the whole Alyssa Rachel situation. For those of you who don't the know. Bauman sisters. First of all, I want to point out, I on the last episode said Alyssa Bauman was a senior and she's a junior and my world is completely shook because you guys this entire time I thought she was a senior like, I feel like she's older than me. So I feel like she's a senior. I did not realize that she's that much younger than me. Someone on the gym internet on Twitter corrected me. And I want to thank you for that because my, like, 
I had to take a second. I was not okay. I really, really thought she was a senior this whole time. But that gets me excited. She for carries her. herself like a senior. with such maturity. Yes, she's yeah. such a leader. She's always been so tenacious and fierce. And I, re- like, I genuinely thought just by how she carries herself, I didn't feel like I had to look into it. I just assumed, oh, she's definitely a senior. She acts like one. So my right. bad. Thank you guys for correcting me on that. Um, but anyway, the right, the sister rivalry, I think that is so fun coming from a family of three sister or four sisters. Sorry. I have three sisters. Um, and and we all did gymnastics at one point. I can't imagine how fun that would have been to compete against your sister in a huge conference like the SEC. For sure. What's interesting about this one, some people forget last year, Georgia upset Florida and and that was like a shock of the season. So this kind of begins, well, not begins. They started it really this season. Florida is on like a redemptive kick. Everything that they have been doing this season seems like redemption from the way last season ended. So I think that was interesting that they put up quite the score in Stegman Coliseum, which is not an easy place to compete. You know, it is not. And you know, it makes me wonder, you know, how is Florida handling regionals coming up? Are they, are they going to put too much pressure on themselves? Are they going to take it easy? Like I, I would imagine that they are reminding themselves of that feeling from last year and they never want to feel that again. They never want to feel that, that defeated, Oh my gosh, that feeling of shock. We we did not make it to the national championship. A team who not only makes right. it but wins. Um, I think mm-hmm. lucky for them, they do only have one freshman, as Jenny Rowland mentioned on the podcast when we had her on here. Um, I think that's easy for them to um, make her – I don't know. I feel like that's easier for her to kind of embrace the environment. When you have such a big incoming freshman class, they take up so much of the team. And that's so much more – so many more girls to like get used to and understand the culture of things. And when you have one versus the rest of the team who knows that defeated feeling, I think it's much easier for her to kind of get on board with that and just do her part. Um, it's like kind of one right. personality to tame one, you know, mindset to, to tame. And so I do think they, that they have that on their side um, going into regionals, but I am interested to see how they handle, handle themselves and handle the pressure of, you know, wanting to qualify. I agree. I, I think that that could be a, an interesting mental uh, warfare that they kind of have mm-hmm. to deal with just to kind of revisit that. I'm sure Jenny will try and keep them all focused on this year. <laughs> Do not think about last year. Right, right. Um, Utah defeated Washington. This one was actually incredibly close. 197.675 to 197.6. Wow. Uh, but with that, Utah clinched the Pac-12 regular season title, and they have a chance to finish the season undefeated in Pac-12 action with a win at Stanford next weekend. Honestly, I I really like this Utah team and mm-hmm. I feel like they're gaining steam. Honestly, I feel like several teams right now are gaining momentum. I'll go ahead and bring in Michigan because I also wanted to talk about them. They're sitting at number seven right now and they got a huge 197.9 this past weekend. And i I really think we're going to see this Michigan team at national. Sometimes the ones that fly a little under the radar are the dangerous ones come postseason. As long as they can handle the pressure once they get there. And this group seems as strong mentally as they are physically. I think so too. And Utah is always a competitive team. They're always, um, I think, a very polished team. They have beautiful gymnastics. I think they're fun to watch. I feel like they kind of just – do them, you know, they, they, they are very Utah. And I love that. I think that's what makes them unique. That's what makes them fun to watch. 
Um, but dude, with that upset over UCLA, oh man, I'm sure that sent their confidence through the roof. And I'm sure that, you know, kind of reminded them of who they are as a team and what their goals are this year. And I definitely think they'll be able to capture that win over Stanford. You also got to keep in mind, they went through a lot of change heading into this season. They now they had co-head coaches now with Megan Marston and Tom Farden. Now it's just Tom Farden. They lost Michaela Skinner, who was just like a generational athlete. And it doesn't seem like they really skipped a beat. I think they started the season a little slower. A few episodes back, I touched on the fact that I I was unsure how they were handling all of it. Mm -hmm. But now I'm starting to think it was actually intentional that their season kind of did slowly build. And I think you had to know your team really well and know what approach to the season is best. Give me your thoughts on Michigan. I think that this team is so interesting because of how they've kind of quietly been rising and and that kind of sets you up well for postseason. Well, they've got some key players on that team. Natalie, if I'm saying her last name right, Wojcik, she is phenomenal her gymnastics is beautiful but also dynamic um I think she's a huge player for that Michigan team they also have a freshman Sierra Brooks I believe and she is amazing too so they've got some superstars on their team the rest of their team is very consistent they're doing their job and I think they're peaking at the right time we saw a couple years ago I believe this was my junior year maybe that Michigan came out of the gate so strong like Huge, great scores, and then they did not make it to the national championship. So I think they're trying to gear themselves in the right direction. I think they are peaking at the right time. Um, you know, we can only hope that these scores are um, confidence boosters for them, that they're accurate in terms of, you know, how the judges are, are perceiving their gymnastics and scoring them properly, um, that it'll yeah. end up right for them because they are a great team. And I feel like um, they're just fighters. I feel like they're always just into fight and they're, they're good sports about it. So I, I really am a big yeah. fan of the Michigan team and, and I really do hope to see them because um, they're always fun to watch and they're very competitive and, and they're, like I said, they're fighters. Well, it'll be interesting to see this week because they compete at Oklahoma. Wow, so I yeah. think that's going to be a, a really interesting opportunity for them to show what they can do. Unfortunately, you, you kind of head into that meet with expectation that, Oklahoma's going to get the bigger score. And that sucks. That has to suck. I don't, I don't even know. Like I thought about this as a coach, what do you tell your team that goes into a meet? Like, like competing against Oklahoma, like, Hey guys, like we probably won't win. So just do your, like, I genuinely am curious as a coach, what do you say to your team? I mean, I would imagine it's like, Hey, focus on you. Like, let's focus on our performance. Let's do the best we can. Let's make improvements here. Um, but I, I don't know what kind of take you have on that. It's like, I guess just do you, you know, use this as a practice meet. Like, I don't know. I mean, and, and on the flip side, like, how does, a, how does a team like Oklahoma go in and they're like, okay, guys, this is going to be another one for us. Like, and they don't, exactly. they don't let down either. That's the thing is like, we haven't seen that get to them in the sense of like, they've been taking it too easy or they take advantage of the fact that, yeah, we're good enough to just not care. Like, we haven't seen that. So right. This will be a good matchup. I'm excited to see it, considering the scores Michigan's coming off of. I think your approach as a coach would probably be different for Michigan if this was a home meet. Mm -hmm. But going to Oklahoma, you know that the cards are kind of stacked against you. So I think your approach is a little bit different. If this was at Michigan, I would actually be like super intrigued and on the edge of my seat for it. But I think going into Oklahoma, you're just you're (laughs) you're behind the eight ball. That's a good point. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, but that's a really good point. 
and certainly could be a great opportunity for Michigan to get a great road score for their NQS. So certainly still has a lot of value, but here's my thing. While we've talked all season about how we're getting more of a distribution of talent across the country and they're programs that are on the rise, the Denver's, Nebraska's, Minnesota, um, we're still not to the point that they're testing the big dogs. And I think that's when actual parity will exist. Like, yes, these up-and-comers are getting bigger skills and better scores and uh, cleaner execution, but you know that they're not going to upset anyone in, like, the top three. Mm -hmm. So I I think until that happens – we're still in this place of redundancy. Like yeah. uh, parity is going to show up in the postseason. Yeah. That's when we're going to see some some interesting scores, and and you're testing the best of the best. But once again, I feel like this season, like we know who it's going to come down to, and I'm I'm really looking forward to a time when everyone is kind of in the mix all season, and and more upsets are happening. But that's all dependent on judging bias. We know that. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Once again, this week, McKenna is going to give us a bit of a score deduction breakdown like you guys have asked for last week. She did vault. This week, she's going to touch on bars. And once again, I don't have a clue what to add. So you go ahead, girl. (laughs) Okay, you guys. So I actually have the rules pulled up in front of me because if you followed me at all in my gymnastics career, I did not do bars um, in college for a very good reason. I was not very good at them. And we had a really good bar lineup. So <laughs> it was, it just wasn't worth my time. Um, if any college gymnasts are out there, you understand where I'm coming from. It's just like, if you're like ninth string, it's like, eh, you can do other events. Let's focus there. So I'm going to read, <laughs> I'm going to read the special requirements for bars, you know, in, in terms of what makes up a bar routine, what their, what the requirements are, how they build up to that 10-0 start value. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what the judges are looking for in terms of, you know, deductions, what they tick off, what they're looking for. So point A reads, a minimum of two bar changes. So in terms of, you know, the, the judges, you, you can't stay on the low bar and you can't stay on the high bar the entire team. You got to change flight direction, which leads into point two. You need two flight elements, a minimum of two different Cs or a D and B, not to include dismount. So if you see a gymnast do a shaposh, that would be a flight change. You are leaving the glow bar to go to the high bar. Normally at a shaposh, you will see an overshoot or a pack. That would be another flight change. Those are high-level skills. You're looking at some Cs right there. Um, in terms of a dismount, you want to have a pretty difficult dismount that sets up your star value a little bit more. Um, also something to point out, as I'm reading these rules – it does say, um, and I think it's kind of funny that it continually specifies in all of the rules that like, this is different than JO. This is different than level 10, like what you would see in level 10. So I thought that was kind of interesting in terms of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have a freshman coming in as a level, obviously they're a level 10, they have to maybe change up their bar routine from what they had. Maybe that flew in level 10, but you needed to add something in, in college or maybe you could take something out. So I thought that was something cool to note. If you followed a gymnast in her JO career and her bar routine is now different, that may be why. Um, okay. One element with a longitudinal access turn, minimum of C, not to include mount or dismount. And then it says here, note the JO compositional deduction of insufficient change of direction does not apply to the NCAA. So what, sorry, that was like super wordy. And part of my brain is like fried (laughs) reading that a lot of big words there. Um, But what they're saying 
in level 10, you have to have a change of direction. So at some point in the routine, you have to have a front grip. So if you see a gymnast doing a Jaeger, that is a front grip direction. Um, if you see a gymnast in level 10 doing a blind fool, she starts in a handstand, she pirouettes, changes her hands around facing forward and then back to the front. That is considered a change of direction because she's changed her direction. Um, in college, it, the <laughs> rules are saying that this does not apply. So you do not have to have a change of direction, which I think is really great because if I'm thinking of a gymnast like myself, <laughs> I could not go forward at all. If you asked me to do a front giant, <laughs> I would peel through the bottom, land on my face and scorpion um, like that funny vine <laughs> of the girl doing the fool in the grass and she lands on her face. That would have been me. So yep. I think I think it's important to note that you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old athletes. And at this point in their career, it's about perfection, right? We're not trying to add new skills. We're not trying to change anything so severely to where it kind of messes them up. So I do appreciate that the rules um, are kind of playing along with the age of the gymnast and knowing, hey, she's probably not going to learn too many more skills. If anything, we're trying to clean things up. So in college, you do not have to see a change of direction, which I think is really good. Oh my gosh, that voice crack. Sorry, guys. You, <laughs> The coaching in me, man, I, I just am a super passionate person. And so I've been not like yelling, but I definitely have been like yeah. super excited all week. So I sound like super I raspy. Um, and then C, dismount. Um, you have to have a C, dismount. You can't have like an easy fool or like a double back. You can have a blindfold, a double back. That Well, that is a, a C, a double back is a C, dismount. Because you can go blindfold, a double back, and that'll give you a connection bonus. Um, but you do have to have a, um, a C or higher dismount. So that's why we see a lot of double layouts. That's why we see a lot of, um, excuse me, twisting dismounts, um, difficulty in dismounts is just kind of like a flare thing. I think it looks good. And normally in your lineup, you're going to see the harder dismounts more towards the end. Um, in terms of deductions, um, obviously handstands guys, handstands are super, super important. Um, that's, there's yeah. a range that you have to hit. Um, they'll give you, I don't, I'm trying to picture like what they do on the SEC network in terms of like that little like freeze frame where they show the gymnast in the handstand and they the show protractor. like, yeah, they show the protractor. Let me just go ahead and throw this out there. A little tidbit. Yeah. When the SEC network first debuted the protractor, do you know how many complaints we got? What? <laughs> no one, the gymnasts and coaches were not happy because before oh. that, I think you could what Kathy Johnson Clark always says is you can finesse a handstand totally. on top of bars. Like your your shoulders may not be directly under you, but if you kind of like pull your feet, it, it looks like it's right on top of the bar. But this thing shows even the slightest bit of error. And literally we got so much pushback <laughs> for airing That's that. But funny. now it's it's so important because I think it's it's a teaching element. And ultimately everyone got on board. But when it was first debuted, they weren't exactly happy about it. Well, that's interesting because I feel like it's not like the judges get slow-mo and get to go back and watch that. I mean, I'm, I don't think right. at least I've never seen that happen. So I think it's good. I think it's good for people who are trying to become gymnastics fans or don't know too much. They, they don't, they, they need to see, oh, that's why she didn't get that. Or that's why she got the deduction. I think that's super important for the viewers. Um, but yeah, you're, you have to hit a handstand. If you don't hit a handstand, it'll be anywhere from half a 10th to, um, a full 10th. Um, obviously you want to stick the landing, how they are releasing, um, from the bar on their dismount. If their head is through the back and their shoulders are closed, that will be a deduction. If feet come apart on a flight change element, like a pack or an overshoot, that's also a deduction. Any shape change that's not supposed to happen, um, 
a deduction anywhere from probably a full 10th, I'll say. Um, also on big release skills. So major releases, this is where you are on the high bar um, and you are doing a, think of it as like a flip over the bar and you recatch it or you're flipping and recatching the bar. That is considered a major release. Commonly in, in college gymnastics, you're going to see gingers, you're going to see Tkachevs, and you're going to see Jaeger. So Jaeger is from the front grip direction and you will see a gymnast, um, she will either have it in a pike position or a straddled position in the elite world. We've been seeing layouts, which is absolutely insane. Um, Sanisa Lee, especially, she's crazy. Uh, we also see commonly the Tkachev, also a straddle. That's mostly the common one. Sometimes you'll see a pike. Um, and again, in the elite world, you'll see a laid out also Sanisa Lee. Nuts. Um, but you can also add um, different turning elements going into those releases. So um, a Jaeger, you may see a toe handstand. So picture a handstand. You pike, your feet are on the bar, you're spinning around the bar, and then you open back up to handstand, and you can go into blind into your Jaeger. So you'll hit that handstand, you'll turn your hands, and you'll go into your Jaeger. Or you'll do a clear hip into a Tkachev, or you'll do a toe hand into, excuse me, into a Tkachev, which is also known as a Ray. Um, and the clear up would be a Hindorf. So there's so many different combinations. Um, college, I feel like it's a little bit more simplified, but overall major deductions you're going to be looking for is shape change, form, handstands, and stuck dismounts. Um, anywhere ranging between half a tenth to a tenth to two tenths if the dismount is like a huge jump or a huge step or one or two steps. So I feel like yeah. that was a big word vomit. And again, I learned a lot. Um, I keep touching on this because I just want you guys to understand, like as a gymnast, you kind of just do your job um, and you kind of learn along the way without having to sit down and like study the rule book. Um, so yeah. for me, this is learning. If I have misquoted um, or said something incorrectly, like these words were really annoying to read. And um, <laughs> Jim Renette, do your thing. Correct me. I, I appreciate and I understand the criticism. So um, yeah, but that's what I have for bars. Love it. Love it. We're doing our part, people. We're not perfect, but we're freaking trying. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that does it for us on this episode of Chalk Talk. No guests this week. We had quite a few topics that we wanted to dive into. and We didn't want to cut it short, but we will be back to having guests in the weeks to come. So no one panic. We've got plenty that we want to bring to you. So thank you so much for listening to us each and every week. Be sure to subscribe, leave a friendly comment or constructive criticism. We love that too. McKenna and I are trying to make this thing bigger and better as season continues and Tokyo gets closer and closer. So you don't want to miss it. We so appreciate all of you listening and following along. We will talk next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.